Good morning. Um, for those of you new here, or for those of you who haven't been here for a few weeks, at the moment as a church, we're looking through the book of Joshua in a series called Life After 40, where we're telling the story, well, we're looking at the story of Israel as they finally enter the promised land and receive their inheritance after they've spent 40 years in the desert. Israel has a new leader, Joshua, that's what the book's named after. And in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua is given a commission. Now I'm going to be mainly focusing on chapter 7, but I'm going to do a quick overview of where we've got to this point, just to try and give us some sort of picture of what's happening. So in Joshua chapter 1, Joshua is given a commission. Uh, In verse 6, And seven, it says this, Be strong and courageous, because you will lead these people to inherit the land that I swore to give to their forefathers. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law that my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left, that you may be successful wherever you go. So Joshua's commission is to lead the people to inherit the land. But as well as being given a commission, Joshua is given a promise. Joshua is told this in verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you or forsake you. So although he's given a task to do, he's also been told that he's going to be equipped to do the task. And that no one will be able to stand against him. Then we have chapter 2, and that's the story of Rahab, and it's a great story of faith. In chapters 3 and 4, we get the story of the Israelites finally crossing the Jordan River in a really miraculous way. Um, God dries up the river for them so they can cross over. And because of that, the people of of the country that they're entering, the people of the promised land, are consumed with fear. Chapter 5, verse 1 starts by saying, Now when all the Amorite kings west of the Jordan and all the Canaanite kings along the coast heard how the Lord had dried up the Jordan before the Israelites until we had crossed over, their hearts melted. They no longer had any courage to face the Israelites. What an opportunity for these Israelites to go in and to just conquer the, you know, just to attack these kings now while they're melting with fear, while they don't have the courage to face them, they could go in there And if I was a general, that's when I would choose to attack. But instead of this, God tells them, he says, no, actually, I want you to renew your covenant with me. And he tells Joshua to circumcise the people. Humanly speaking, this is not wise. Some of you will know the story from Genesis 34, where Jacob's sons tricked the Shechemites into circumcising themselves, and then they slaughtered them while they're recovering from their circumcision, while they're unable to fight as well. Circumcision does not help you to fight. But it's a great display of faith at this point by the Israelites, uh, showing that they trusted that God knew what was best. Circumcision was also a sign that they were called to be different from the people around them. And then at the end of chapter 5 and into chapter 6, we have God telling Joshua how he is to defeat Jericho. This is a great story, but I just want you to imagine for a moment that you were Joshua and you had to go to your army and say, right guys, this is our plan. What we're going to do is on the first day, we're going to go 
and we're going to march around the city in silence once. Then we'll do that again the next day, and then we'll do it again for six days, and then on the seventh day what we'll do is we'll march around in silence seven times, and then when the priests blast the trumpet, what we're going to do is all shout, the walls will fall down, and we'll attack them. Have you got our plan? Right, that would have taken some courage to do. If I was Joshua, I would not have been able to do that so easily. I would have been saying, God, give me a sign that this is going to work. Um, It would have looked really silly if this had not worked. All these people walking around, what's he telling us to do? But that's what he does. And perhaps the fact that God held back the Jordan for them was enough of a sign for Joshua, uh, and maybe that's why he trusted God. But, well, in any case, Joshua proved himself to be a great man of faith. So chapter 6 is the story of of Jericho being defeated and um, in this miraculous way. So things are going well. God has kept his promise. And then we get to the bit that we're going to be looking at today, Joshua chapter 7. In Joshua chapter 7, the Israelites seem to fall flat on their face at a relatively small hurdle when they're going to conquer a small city called Ai. And this was just when everything seemed to be going so well. Why? After all, Joshua had been promised in chapter 1, we've already seen that, that no one would be able to stand against him. Why did God let Joshua fail in Joshua Joshua chapter 7? Why did he let the Israelites be defeated? Before I answer that question, I'd like to compare Joshua's story to the story of the church so that we can try and apply some of these things that we learn to our lives in the 21st century. The church, too, has been given a commission. Matthew chapter 28 says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So like Joshua, we have a commission. And we also have a promise. When Jesus told Peter to build his church, this is what he said. He said, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven And whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Basically, we were told nothing could stand against us. The gates of hell couldn't stand against us, and everything in heaven and earth was under, you know, was was for us and not against us. It was for the church. And generally, things started off quite well. From 12 disciples, the church miraculously spread over most of the known world, in a relatively short period of time. It spread a huge amount just in the time of the rest of the New Testament, which was just about one generation after Jesus. So despite these heavy persecutions, things seemed to be going well. In fact, it went so well that the people who were persecuting them, the Roman Empire, um, eventually became a Christian empire. So things went well. God seemed to be keeping his promise. We live in a largely Christian country today, and the law of this land is mainly based on Christian principles. So God seems to have kept his promise. But in many places in the UK today, the church is shrinking. I've been to some places in the UK where 
you go into a church and the church is literally dying out where the youngest member of the congregation is of pensioner age or above. So what's happened? Why does it seem like God's promise is failing? Let's look at Joshua chapter 7 and see what we can learn. You can find Joshua chapter 7 on page 221 in the Bibles in the pews. And as we look at Joshua chapter 21, we're going, to see, we're going to ask the question, well, why did they fail? And then we're going to look later on at how they turned that failure into success. Okay. Joshua chapter 7, verse 1. But the Israelites acted unfaithfully in regard to the devoted things. Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zimri, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took some of them. So the Lord's anger burned against Israel. So what's going on here? Uh, What are we talking about these devoted things? Well, in chapter 6, when Joshua told the Israelites to attack Jericho, he said thus to the people, verses 17 to 19, The city and and all that is in it are to be devoted to the Lord. So the the city was to be devoted to the Lord. And so Achan had obviously um, committed a sin regarding things being devoted to the Lord. Only Rahab the prostitute and all who were with her in her house shall be spared because she hid the spies that we sent. But keep away from these devoted things so that you will not bring about your own destruction by taking any of them. Otherwise, you will make the camp of Israel liable to destruction bringing trouble on it. So they warned what will happen if they um, take these devoted things. All the silver and gold and the articles of bronze and iron are sacred to the Lord and must go into his treasury. So we see from the very first verse of Joshua chapter 7 that Achan has disobeyed this command. Let's see what happens next. So we read from verse 2. Now Joshua sent men from Jericho to Ai, which is near Bethaven, to the east of Bethel. And he told them, Go up and spy out the region. So the men went up and spied out Ai. When they returned to Joshua, they said, Not all the people will have to go up against Ai. Send two or three thousand men to take it. Do not worry all the people, for only a few men are there. So Joshua sent some spies out, and then he makes a plan. They come back with information. He makes a a plan. And so what happens in verse 4 is, So they send out 3,000 men, but they were routed by the men of Ai, who killed about 30 